What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Welcome to Right and Wrong. This is a show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. I'm your host, Brian Ruka, and with me, as always, over there is producer Juice. He goes by the name Truth Box, ladies and gentlemen. The Truth Box. Da 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 da. Truth Box. And he does a great job every week for us, baby. Finds us all the great clips, like all the great feedback we had last week about Turd Boy up there in Canada. That was all him, my man. Great job, Juice. Keep up the good work. What do you have to say to the people today? When you speak truth, then you speak paradise into being. And when you speak falsely, you speak hell into being. And that's the truth. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. All right. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the interview that uh, Mark Zuckerberg just did on the Joe Rogan podcast. He recently talked about how Facebook, surprise, surprise, suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story. And he'll tell you why Facebook decided to do that. You know we're going to have some equal parts awesome and equal parts cringy rights and wrongs for you like we do every week. I'll also get into a story about how Ben Shapiro's presence at a podcast convention was extremely dangerous. Yes, Ben Shapiro. The what? Five, all, all five foot eight, a uh, hundred and what? Maybe 50 pounds soaking wet Ben Shapiro. Very dangerous man out there. <laughs> And in the Come On Man segment of the day, we'll take a look at Mr. Come On Man himself. See what he had to say about uh, AR-15s and all that good stuff just the other day. (laughs) That That guy is a joke, but we'll have a lot of fun with that one. So stay tuned for the whole show. Like I always try to remind you guys, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to the podcast today. Give us a like. Hit that subscribe so you get notified whenever we put up new fresh content. And uh, other than that, I think it's time to bring in our good pal, Mr. Rick Flair, because it is showtime, baby. Woo! Showtime! Woo! 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 All right. Well, I've been doing some thinking lately, and uh, I think I'm coming to the conclusion that we kind of live in a pretty selfish time in the world today, out there in, uh, you know, society the world that we live in, America specifically. And why is that? Well, obviously, I think it's because we have easier lives these days than we ever have before. Um, There's less uh, responsibility put on us at a young age. We have less responsibility out there in the real world. I mean, I think we do have political issues. We've had wars and conflicts in our time, but they're not the same as the World War I's. World War II, Vietnam War, doesn't quite feel like the same type of responsibility that those generations had on them that we have nowadays, which has allowed the adults in today's world and the kids that they're raising to become more selfish. Technology, obviously, is a big reason why. Technology insulates us and it makes us less focused, uh, less dependent on making real life relationships instead of trying to figure out how to live with, uh, you know, like other people in your community that you might not care for. You know, you're living in your life of online culture where you can just 
block that person now or you can unfriend them. You don't have to figure out how to make it work with somebody. We're a lot less um, neighborly, I think, because of that. You don't have to know your neighbor. You don't have to go knock on your neighbor's door and say, lend me some sugar. I am your neighbor. <laughs> because you could just order it online and it will be at your doorstep in, in an hour or so. Um, technology has definitely made us selfish and insulated. But how does that translate to politics? That's what this show, what this podcast is all about. Think about the things that the left values the most. And they're all rooted in selfishness. That's what they can be broken down to. Boil it down to its simplest form. The left is selfish. Think about my body, my choice. What's more selfish than that? Think about it. It's the very first moment in a woman's life when she's called to become responsible for someone else's life. And she chooses to kill that life rather than selflessly protect it. Are you kidding me? Becoming a mother, becoming responsible for another human being, that's one of the, that that is maybe the most selfless thing that anybody could ever do. In abortion culture, the the abortion uh industry crazed disease in this country, it's programmed an entire generation and then some of women to look at that as a self-empowering decision as a uh, act that makes them a stronger woman, something to be proud of, when in fact it's it's incredibly selfish. And what about the men? Don't think you're off the hook in this either. Men that support abortion, extremely selfish. Abortion has granted men the ability to have sex without consequence. Of course, scumbag men out there are going to support abortion. Now they don't have to live with the responsibility of possibly creating another life and then having to care for that life. It's even worse for me when you when you see the men that support abortion because they get to walk around and pretend like they're the good guys in the equation. They get to try and act like they're all all uh, supportive of women's rights and everything. Ladies, I'm telling you, be wary of the men that support abortion. They're wolves dressed in sheep's skin. Seriously, it absolutely disgusts me. Flip that around and think about the way the right views abortion. I realize I'm here in front of a microphone expressing my pro-life views, but you know what? Honestly, it's pretty easy to do because I'm here by myself. No one's there in front of me arguing back. I'm not putting that out there in a crowded room of, uh, of other people. That's a hell of a lot harder to do than to do it here. Think about how hard that is for people. You know, I, I was just up in Massachusetts. You think I could talk like that? in a crowded room. I'm, I've started a new job. You think that's something I want to really express in a group of strangers that I don't know? That's hard to do. It really is. But it's not hard to be pro-abortion. I don't think it's, uh, I think you're praised when, when, you're, when you express those sentiments. And that's created by the media narrative and, and the propaganda that surrounds the whole abortion industry. Guys, I have an aunt that's very involved in pro-life advocacy, and she has been for years. She's got three adult kids, and she could be doing anything else that she wants with her life. If she was selfish, she would quietly support pro-life, vote for the right candidates, but she wouldn't be out there openly advocating against the murder of innocent babies. That is selfless. She's doing that because she's worried about life. She's worried about other life. She's worried about saving babies' lives and trying to impact the women who think they don't have any options, who don't, who think they don't have a choice. 
the pro-choice movement over there wants to put people in a box, put women in a box and make them feel like their only choice is an abortion. It's people like my aunt and the advocates who aren't afraid to stand up for what's right. And they do put themselves into awkward positions, into into things that aren't very conducive to self-preservation. What about student loan forgiveness? The left celebrating this these days, right? My student loans are so expensive. You need to pay for them. No thought whatsoever for what that means for the rest of the country now or down the line. It's all about them. If it feels good, do it. Transgendering children? You think that's about the child? Or you think it's the selfish act of a parent who wants to make their child transgender? How selfish is that? Divorce culture. I know that's not an only left problem. It happens on both sides of the aisle. But the left is the one who pushes that narrative. The left has allowed this country to go to no-fault divorce. The left has removed religion from a lot of people's lives. All of those go to the selfish, selfish acts of the individual. At the end of the day, the left focuses on individuals and the right focuses on the greater good. The danger and the major flaw in the left's ideology is that there are too many people in the world for every one of us to be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want. But the ones at the top already know that. They understand that. They want to sell people. They want to sell the American people. They want to sell the world on the drug of selfishness until you're too high to get off of it. And you're left waiting for them to give you more. Absolutely disgusting. And we need to look in the mirror a little bit more. What's the best uh, quote by, by one of the most famous quotes ever, and ironically by a Democratic president? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. (laughs) love to see the Democrats support something like that again. No way. No way. No way. All right, everybody, here we go. It is that time in the show when we get to bring you the wrongs of the week. And what would we do without this segment? I mean, thank God we got me and the juice man here the truth box over there finding all these clips he's our clip guy get a good clip guy here get your clip guy here remember just like those pride week here all those people out there on the street celebrating that well i'm lucky i got a producer who's a clip guy here get your clips here and he's gonna bring us uh and he has brought us all these phenomenal clips where we just get to point and laugh at these morons on the left that's what it's all about when we get the wrongs up here. So, without further ado, why don't we just drop right in and uh, bring it to the number five wrong of the week. Where are we going to go for that, Mr. Juice? Oh, yes, that's right. We're going to bring it to the press secretary herself, the very black, very gay, KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre. Because she wanted to let everybody know why it's okay to declare a national emergency to relieve student debt loans, but there's no national emergency at the southern border. What, what do you think she's going to do to handle this one? Juice? Number five. Heroes Act hinges on student debt cancellation being tied to the pandemic and that being a national emergency. But the administration argued in court that the pandemic is over at the southern mm-hmm. border. 
uh, to lift Title 42. It's so over that the government's going to stop buying vaccines in the fall and shift to the private sector. So how is this a national emergency? How's COVID a national emergency when it comes to student debt? So it's a a very good question, and I'm glad you asked it. Um, Look, we use the HEROES Act uh, because there are going to be some, be some people when we lift the pause that's still going to suffer. They're still going to have a little bit of a hard time. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons uh, that uh, 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 we made this, this decision. Hmm. Very insightful. I mean, thank God that that woman is just so gay and just so black that it just makes her the greatest, smartest, most skilled Uh, press secretary we've ever seen. My God, she is just horrible at that job. When we really circle back and look at it, uh, our girl Saki really wasn't that bad, I guess. I mean, dumpster fire as well, but at least she was um, a little bit better at the job. I mean, she didn't say anything there. She might as well have just said, oh, because there's an emergency when we need it to be and we want it to be, and it's not an emergency when we don't want it to be and don't need it to be. What are you going to do about it? Again, I know I've made the reference before on this show, but that that her answer there is like that kid in, in Big Daddy. I win. What do you mean? I have a five, a six, a seven, a two. I win. Because I win. This is bullshit. All right. Take it easy, man. Every time different cards, he still wins. So what? Uh, relax. He's a kid. There should be the same set of rules for everyone, no matter what age. That's what the White House is like. That's the Democratic Party in a nutshell. What are we playing here for politics? I win. Oh, we're going to burn down the country throughout the summer of uh, of 2020? Peaceful protests. Oh, we get the horn hack guy walking into the rotunda, Capitol Rotunda in Nancy Pelosi's office after he's let in by the police. Violent extremists trying to overthrow the government. You know, whatever they need it to be, that's what it's going to be. So they want to bribe everybody to go out and vote for them in the midterms, then, you know, there's a national pandemic. I mean, a a worldwide pandemic, global pandemic, and a national emergency. We need to forgive these student loans. Oh, we need some more votes in this midterm, and and we want the support of illegal immigrants. Oh, open the gates. Open the border. No emergency here. Nothing to see here. Bring them on in, people. What a joke. Next. All right, this one here, we're going back to that uh, Pennsylvania Senate candidate, John Fetterman. Remember we had him last week on the show? Told you how he recently suffered from a stroke and how he's not quite all there. Well, I forgot to mention that he's also racist. So uh, you don't need me to tell you that. Why don't we just hear from the man himself? Juice, take it away. Number four. In my own state, they are going to pass... Uh, attempt to pass a, a constitutional amendment, making sure that universal voting ID for every time you vote, not just when you sign up to vote, but every time you vote, because they understand that at any given time, there's tens of thousands of Pennsylvanians who typically, typically are on the, uh, are on the, the poorer side and, and are people of color that are less likely to have their ID at any one given time. What? That's racist. Again, how many times do lib progressive nut jobs have to go out there and tell you how racist they are? Are you kidding me? How insulting is it to black people? When you have this white guy in his hoodie trying to tell everybody else that we can't have voter IDs in place in his state because black people can't 
get IDs? That's what he thinks? He doesn't think black people are capable of having a photo ID on their person. I don't know who goes anywhere without a photo ID. How do you do anything in this world without one? Are you like are you insane? And he he's like tries to sell that like it's like like it's you know some like ridiculous requirement, some unbelievably difficult ask that you literally have a picture with your name attached to a card that shows and verifies this is you, your name, your picture, and you're coming to vote. One person, one vote, right? Well, if it was just that simple and that easy, the Democrats would never win again. Next. All right. Oh, the third wrong of the week that we got coming up over here is from our favorite vice president. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Kamalama Ding Dong. She's about to come right in and uh, have herself a little bit of a Michael Scott moment. That's all I could think of when I heard this clip. But she's talking about, uh, in, in the clip you're about to hear, she's talking about this um, this missile launch that's uh, going up to space. Uh, I think it's going to the moon. The Artemis, um, whatever number they attach to it. But she's giving a speech from the airfield. Uh, she just got off the plane in there talking. And she really thinks she's clever with the phrase she uses, and uh, I don't want to spoil it on you. Let's just let her tell it to us in her own words. Juice? Number three. Well, it is good to be back in Florida, and I am very much looking forward to tomorrow. You know, as the head of the Space Council, I can tell you I'm so proud of what is happening in terms of our space program and the leadership that the United States is providing to the world. Uh, the Artemis program is, is the beginning of the next era of what we have a history and a tradition of doing, of providing vision and inspiring innovation in a way that is going to benefit all mankind and womankind. And so I'm very excited to be here. Looking forward to tomorrow. Thank you. <laughs> you catch that? All mankind and womankind. And she makes this face like she's like so clever. And I'm telling you, all I could think of was that Office episode, season three, episode one, The Gay Witch Hunt. Go look it up if you haven't seen it in a while. But uh, when Michael inadvertently exposes Oscar for being gay and he learns his lesson and by the end of the episode, he uh, uses one of his, that's what she said. And then he then he's so proud of himself when he incorporates the he as well, because He's all-inclusive, you know, Michael Scott. And that's exactly what Carmela Della Della Ding Dong. That's what she just did with that. And she's talking for all mankind. You don't need to womankind it, you moron. All mankind covers women. Does she realize that? I mean, I thought that was kind of common knowledge, but the president, the vice president, excuse me, Freudian slip there, but the vice president, doesn't realize that when someone says for all mankind, they do include that that does include women. I mean, come on, the vice president of the United States doesn't understand that when somebody says for all mankind, that that also includes women. She can't be that dumb, but it's almost like uh, like we were talking about that She-Hulk stuff from last week. She thinks that that is what plays to the audience she wants or the people writing for her 
think that that's what's going to appeal to the people that they need and want to vote for Democrats. Absolutely unbelievable. Juice, what's the? Oh, you got it? Oh, nice. My man Juice coming through clutch as usual. Um, <laughs> this is a good one, but how about we get that that little Michael Scott clip that I was talking about? Juice, why don't you give that to them and see how, how similar it was to the VP? I'm glad if today spurred social change. That's part of my job as regional manager. But you know what? Even if it didn't, at least we put this matter to bed. That's what she said. Or he said. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's great. And and right down to the same like like facial expression that she made there too. Like he's it's like dawning on him and it was dawning on her in the moment, like, hmm, that's what that's what she said. Or he said. And she dropped the old for all mankind or womankind. <laughs> Next. All right, this one is uh pretty disturbing. The uh the number 2 wrong of the week that we got coming up for you here. This one makes my skin crawl. It's absolutely disgusting. And again, I say it every week, but we got to stop accepting this. We cannot continue to normalize this stuff. But this is a doctor in San Francisco openly admitting, basically bragging about performing transgender surgeries on minors, on kids. Juice, you want to give this one to us? Number two. GCC, Gender Confirmation Center in San Francisco, we kind of have these like secret missions. Now now that it's on a slide, these public secret missions, which are, uh, one of them is that we try to, we try to live with our values 30 to 40 years in the future. So, and that puts us in a mindset of um, extreme affirmation because affirmation at that time is a foregone conclusion. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's stop there for a sec. Not so secret. Well, what do you say? Agenda or a mission? And we got the slideshow here for it. And then he's saying he understands that whatever he's going to be trying to spout out, talk about now, is going to be weird to us because he's planning on this appealing to people 30 years from now down the line when this stuff is just completely accepted and affirmed and, and we're all on board with this nonsense. Ugh. All right. Continue. This is a time in the future when gender is just a thing. Nobody makes a big deal out of it. People are being screened as children and adolescents for their gender journey and appropriate steps are taken to get them involved in a multidisciplinary process to get them where they need to go. That's that's the future. Whoop, 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 whoop. Sorry, sorry. But I, I just I can't help but pick out the language used there because it's the same stuff from that creep lady from the What is a Woman documentary, the one that we gave a come on man to that doctor. Mm. Yeah. 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 That lady. Remember her? Same thing. Your gender journey when she was talking to kids in where you'd like to be. Help you along the line of your gender journey. So manipulative. Let's let this creep continue. Um, I do not have a minimum age of any sort in my practice. There's no chronological age that says you don't get surgery. Now, having said that, I don't think I've ever done a consult on a 12-year-old yet, but we would if one came our way. We just haven't had reason to. Um, and then we've done a number of 13-year-olds who, who we did consults on. I think I've done one or two 13-year-old surgeries. Wow. No problem doing one of those on a 12-year-old. He thinks he's done one or two 13-year-olds? 
And we're okay with this. The United States of America, this is happening here right now, 2022. We're allowing butchers and creeps like that guy to mutilate children as young as 13 years old. And we're not outraged about it. We're not up in arms about it. We're just, we're, we're, we're okay with it. Again, I've said it before and I'll continue to say it. I don't care if you agree with everything else on the Democratic agenda. You cannot continue to vote for people in that party as long as they support this. It is disgusting, repulsive, and just sad, sick stuff. Please start talking about it more. Please share these clips and these stories every single time they come up because we have to put an end to it. That utopia that this creep envisions 30 years from now, we can't let that see the light of day and we stop it now. That's how we make sure that does not happen. Next. All right, and that brings us into the number one wrong of the week and we will go right back to that very gay, very black press secretary, Miss KJP, when she wants to explain to us that half the country are semi-fascists. I guess she uh, wanted to lay the groundwork for uh, President Unity's speech that he gave last night, huh? Well, why don't we listen, see what she had to say. Juice? Number one, wrong of the week. Only semi-fascism coming. Yeah. Uh, is this something we're going to hear more of, that phrase? Is it something the president's going to kind of embrace or is there any sense that it was, uh, you know, a little impromptu and it's going to turn into a kind of basket of deplorable thing that he regrets and that tries to be quiet about? I, look, I was very clear when uh, when laying out uh, and defining uh, what, uh, you know, MAGA Republicans have done. And you look at the definition of fascism and you think about uh, what they're doing in, in attacking our democracy, what they're doing in taking away uh, our freedoms, uh, taking away, wanting to take away our rights, our voting rights. I mean, that is what that is. It is very clear. And that's why he made that um, that uh, that powerful speech uh, that you heard uh, from him last night. And he has not shied away from saying that. Wow. Yep. I mean, that's just what they think. That's what they think of all of us. And to be clear, that clip was from earlier in the week. So she's not even referring to that um, horrible speech that Biden delivered literally last night. So the one she was referring to was even earlier in the week. But um, same idea behind it. Anybody, anybody to the right of Bernie Sanders is a fascist, um, racist, white supremacist, um, MAGA Republican. I mean, that's just their game. Again, it's like the one from from the beginning of the uh, the wrongs, where it's just whatever they need at that time. That's what fascism is. That's what racism is. That's what a deplorable is. Whatever they want to call you, but that's what they think of us. It's not about Trump, and it never has been. We've just allowed them to use him as their um as their bullseye, as their straw man. But he said it, and he was so right when he did, that they don't hate him, they hate you, referring to all of us. If you're a conservative, they do not want you to have any say at all. And they want to sit up there and act like the victims, that that these mega Republicans are trying to take away their rights, and get out of here with that. Oh, because you want to have somebody 
show you their picture ID when they go to vote that's trying to take away somebody's rights? Nope. It doesn't play it for me, my friend. Authoritarian? Running the country like a dictator? Look at what Biden's been doing. Look what he, he's been doing with his CDC. He tried to weaponize the um, OSHA department. He, he's creating a military version of the IRS. He's using the FBI, the DOJ, to go after his chief political rival. And the Republicans are the dangers to democracy? She's representing the, the president from the party that's standing behind the guy we just played in the number two wrong. What's more dangerous to this world, to this country, to our children? People that wear a red MAGA hat and vote with conservative values or creepy doctors like that that are going to convince your 12-year-old, 13-year-old son that he's really your daughter and they'll come have you locked up and take away your parental rights if you don't agree with it. What's more dangerous? You got to be kidding me with this stuff. People, open your eyes, please. I've had enough of this stuff and I know you have too. We need more people to see it though. It's... It's one of those things. Candace Owens has said it before when she first saw and discovered uh, Thomas Sowell. She said it was like a light bulb that a light switch that went off in her mind. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. That's what this stuff is. And that's the hope behind the Right and Wrong podcast. So please get out there. Talk about it. Share this with people. Plagiarize my stuff if you want. I don't even care. But talk about it with your friends, please. Talk about it with your family. Let people know this is going on. Because it's not going to stop if we sit back and try to continue to be the silent majority. All right. So uh, Mark Zuckerberg was on the Joe Rogan show recently and... I feel like this story kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit, maybe. I don't know. I, I think it's huge, bombshell, uh, ridiculous story, and that's why we're going to talk about it. So before we jump into it, why don't we just um, hear from the horse's mouth here and uh, play you the clip of Mark Zuckerberg on the Joe Rogan show. Juice? Basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us. Some some folks on our team. I was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was the, we we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of um uh, uh that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. The distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. So when um, you say the distribution is decreased, and it, it got shared. It, how does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less. So fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But we weren't sort of as black and white about it as as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if if the FBI, which and I still view as a legitimate institution in this country. It's a like very professional law enforcement. They come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something Then I want to take that seriously. Well, sorry, Zuckerberg, just to let you know right then and there, um, they are not. The FBI is not a trustworthy, legitimate organization. Fault number one for you. Um, we know that. And I'm sure he knows that, too. He's just using that as his excuse to do what he wanted to do anyways. Be vigilant 
that's what they they reached out to him. One, why is the FBI reaching out to social media companies to begin with? Why are they doing that? And they told him, oh, oh, be vigilant. Just so you know, there could be some Russian collusion here in this upcoming election. You know, you didn't hear it from us, but just so you know. How ridiculous is that? That's like that kid, uh, the, the kid in, in school or at work or whatever that wants to rat on people, but stay out of it themselves. Like, does, doesn't want to come forward and actually accept the responsibility of, of blowing the whistle if something wrong is happening. They just want to plant that seed into someone else and let them do the dirty work for them, right? Oh, just so you know, uh, Johnny over there um, might be cheating on his test, might, might, might have a little cheat sheet. You know, you didn't hear that from me, though. <laughs> Leave me out of it. Just so you know, uh, Jack over there has, uh, you know, he might be, uh, selling weed to some of the employees in the parking lot on his break. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Who am I? Who am I to say what's really going on? But, you know, just something to think about it and just wanted you to know, <laughs> you know, unbelievable. It's crazy that absolutely determined the election. That story was huge. And it wasn't just that Joe Biden's son is a degenerate scumbag. It was more than that. And that's why the story was important. If it was just him doing drugs, banging hookers. Yeah, that that doesn't look good. But it wouldn't have had as much to do with candidate Joe Biden. But when you connect the dots and you have the story of the big guy getting kickbacks for the influence that that coked up prostitute banging scumbag peddled to foreign countries, then that light shines a hell of a lot brighter on the presidential candidate who's now going to be in the most powerful seat with a lot more power and influence to peddle to foreign countries. You don't think that was a big deal? You don't think that helped decide the election? That got suppressed by the New York Post in Zuckerberg on his high and mighty horse there. Oh, well, we didn't just ban it the way Twitter did. We just suppressed it. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. We're we're splitting hairs here now, playing a game of semantics with uh with Mr. Zuckerberg himself. Absolute tool this guy is. You know there was a study, a survey done um after this story finally got the recognition that it deserved once the election was done and settled that 17% of Biden voters in swing states said that they would not, would not have voted for Biden had they known about this story before the election. You mean to tell me that Facebook and Twitter and the establishment media didn't have this election rigged? If you don't see that, you don't want to. You're blind to it. Or you just don't care. And unfortunately, I think there's a ton of people who fall into that category. Don't care. They really don't. They just, they hate Trump that much. They hate all of us. They hate anybody who's got a conservative Republican view. Mark Zuckerberg's admitting in that conversation with Rogan that he got visited by the FBI, went to bed that night, woke up the next day and found his horse's head in the bed next to him, all bloodied up, just like that dude in The Godfather. Johnny Fantane did get that role, and so did Joe Biden, thanks to the strong out methods of the FBI.
All right, it's about that time in the show when we kick it on to the uh, rights of the week. These are all those uh, great heroes out there willing to stand up, speak up for what's right, and we got to respect that. It's not easy to do, not easy to put yourself out there, open yourself up to uh, scrutiny, attacks of homophobia, uh, bigotry, racism, all that type of stuff that the left is going to throw at these people for uh, simply speaking the truth. So that's why we like to recognize, tip our caps to uh, a lot of these people every week that do the right thing. There is one before I jump into the top five. We have an honorable mention, number six, right of the week this week. And I kept it at number six and off the main list because we don't actually have a clip of it. And we, uh, you know, we prefer to play clips on this stuff. But just a little little sidebar for everybody. Um, I don't know if you heard this or not, but Governor Gavin Newsom's in-laws uh, reportedly donated a ton of money to Ron DeSantis's re-election campaign. <laughs> I love it. Newsom's such a tool. And he tried running those ads, like directly attacking Florida and DeSantis uh, over the summer. And I just don't think it worked. Just made him look stupid and reiterated the fact that so many people are fleeing California and actually going to states like Florida where they allow you to be free. And it's awesome that his in-laws are just completely against him and going for his main political, I guess, rival, if you want to um, do like a governor versus governor to the celebrity death match, bring those things back. That's who it would be. And uh, the <laughs> Newsom's uh, in-laws just are like, nope, we're good. We'll take DeSantis over here. <laughs> awesome. So, all right, let's break into the main list. Juice, you ready for number five? We got this uh, dad down in Tampa Bay who spoke up at a school board meeting about the material that uh, they're subjecting these young kids to. So let's hear what he has to say. Number five. Good evening. My name is Will Witt, and I'm here to really ask what is wrong with Hillsborough County Public Schools that they would allow such a book like this is a book that's gay in their schools. I mean, if you look at what's happening in this book, it is pornographic. If kids go online, they are not allowed to watch porn. Uh, it is illegal for them to do so. The kids at these schools are 11 to 13 years old, and it is encouraging them to go on the dating site Grinder. You guys, what I mean, the world that you live in, you know what Grinder is. It is not just a place where you go and meet other people. It is a gay sex app, and you are encouraging children to go onto that app and engage in these sexual activities. You are opening them up to sexual predators, and you are opening them up to grooming. And so what I'm here to say is that there are no excuses for having a book like this in classrooms at schools here in Florida. It is evil, and there really are no excuses. Your guys' job, what you are supposed to do, is to protect children, not expose them to pornographic material, disgusting, vulgar material. And so I ask you what to do is to do your job and not to sexualize and indoctrinate children. Thank you. The only thing I would disagree with him there is uh, the thank you at the end. Don't thank them for anything, pal. Screw them. They don't care about your kids. They don't care about my kids. They don't care about anybody's kids. They care about pushing a woke progressive agenda. And that's about it. You do got to like tip tip your cap to this guy and, and like the fact that he used uh, Bill Belichick's line of do your job. Stay in your lane, educators. Stop trying to trying to go all in on this uh, gay lifestyle, transgender lifestyles, uh, this sexualization of children, taking away their innocence. Enough. Stick to the reading, writing, arithmetic, geography, history. I don't even know if I can trust you with that, but stick to the basics. Okay, people? Next. 
All right, we're gonna go over to this one, um, which is a clip of uh, of a of a guy breaking down the Jesse Juicy Juicy Smollett situation, and uh, he pretty much just breaks it down in a nutshell what it what it all was. So let's hear what he had to say. Number four, as I did with a Juicy Smollett case, that was another example that sort of, I mean, that was the it wasn't that kind of the ultimate trajectory of identity politics because what you were saying what he was saying to america was i'm going to create the most unlikely impossible illogical scenario in the world and i'm going to make america believe it because they're so deranged that i can get away with it and so it wasn't just i'm african-american but i'm going to be african-american and gay i'm not just going to be african-american gay i'm going to be african-american and i'm going to hate trump not going to be just African-American hate Trump. I'm going to be young and hip on empire. I'm not just going to do all that, but I'm going to be walking at 2 a.m. And I'm not just going to be walking at 2 a.m. I'm going to see two white guys who happen to be prowling around liberal Chicago. Not just two white guys are doing it. They're going to have a MAGA hat on. And they're not just going to have a MAGA hat on. Two white guys with a MAGA hat and liberal Chicago are going to say, we're going to prowl around because maybe Jesse Smollett, whom we immediately recognize and yell out as the enemy of Empire, because we always watch Empire. And, you know, Bob says to Fred, let's go out and look for Jesse Smollett type people tonight. And by the way, let's take some lynch rope with us. And then Jesse's, and if that's not enough, let's get bleach that that freezes at five degrees and we'll throw it and, and defy the laws of chemistry. It won't freeze in our case. And then not only will we do all that, we'll beat him up and we're very big, but Jesse's, Juicy's very small, but he's a better fighter and he's gonna fight us off while he's got his sandwich in one hand and his cell phone in the other, recording the whole thing. That's what we were asked to believe and the nation did. And so, I mean, the guy nailed it there. Uh, I, I like the way he broke it down, and you hear the crowd laughing along and start clapping at the end. Um, and it's true, but where is the uh, lesson learned? Or, or why haven't we learned the lesson yet? I mean, we're seeing another one of these types of stories again, not as extreme or, or as as ridiculous as the Smollett one, but this Duke volleyball player who was. Um, claiming that that the n-word was being shouted at her every time she tried to serve at a game against utah and you know like bass was telling me espn ran with the story they were all over it talking yet stephen a smith up there with his thesaurus trying to grab his word his, his big word of the week for you and talking about how racist it is and then they were painting it as uh because it was in utah you know it's racist and all these white mormons out there but the story, nothing happened. No, there's no evidence of it happening at all. So can we back up a little bit, pump the brakes when we get these stories thrown out there? I mean, 99.9% of the time, these race stories turn into race hoaxes. And we got to stop and think, like, what is the incentive here? Why are people doing this? And it's because the media runs with it. The social media people jump to their side. Victimization, the victimhood is so valuable. That's the greatest currency we have in this world right now. There's nothing more valuable than being a victim. And that's why people keep doing this stuff. And, and we allow it to happen. 
by feeding into it. And I'm glad this guy pointed out how ridiculous the Smollett thing was. And we should continue to talk about it so that hopefully we can correct the response going forward. Next. All right. The number three right of the week, Juice. Let's uh, go back to our favorite White House uh, reporter, Mr. Peter Ducey. I wish they made like jerseys of uh, of some of these these reporters and stuff. I'd be rocking a Ducey jersey all day long. Guy's phenomenal. He is like the Tom Brady of uh, White House reporters. It's great. Every we could probably use him every week in the rights. And he just happens to look like Zach Morris, which is even better for him. So why don't we hear um, what he did this week or, or this time when he roasted uh, KJP Juice? You ready? Number three. How is it two different things? Somebody unvaccinated comes over on a plane. You say that's not okay. Somebody walks into Texas or Arizona unvaccinated. They're allowed to stay. But, Why? But that's not how it works. Like we actually, no. I know that that's not what you guys want to happen, but that is what, what is happening. But that's not, it's not like somebody walks over and <laughs> that's not, that's, that's not how. exactly what's happening. We, well, Thousands of people are walking in a day. Some of them turn themselves over. Some of them are caught. Tens of thousands a week are not. That is what is happening. I love it. She has nothing to say. She, she, she's no, 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 that is not happening. And I love that. He's like, that might not be what you want to happen, but that is what's happening. And it's so true. You, you need to show that vaccination proof for, for entering the country on a plane, doing it the right way. But Illegal immigrants can flood the border and they're just allowed to stay. No consequences, nothing. At least we got Governor Abbott down there shipping them to uh, D.C., New York, and now Chicago. So at least we we are making the progressive leftist libs deal with their consequences of their terrible, terrible um, policies. So amen for Peter Ducey being there and KJP. Horrible. Horrible at our job. Next. All right. And let's move on to the number two right of the week. This uh, this one's not really up, up my alley so much. This is Juice's expertise. But it's a guy talking about what's going on in the Netherlands um, in the supply chain with food um, and, and the government really trying to crack down and regulate um, agriculture. And it's kind of being slept on a little bit. And again, it, I'll admit I'm not uh, fully caught up on it. But it speaks to those in power, um, those at the top, the idealists um, of this global economy. And they're trying to use that to manipulate people and to control people. And this guy breaks it down. He's talking about the clip and and how it's so it should be um, eye opening for us when we see the World Economic Economic Forum um, try to manipulate and control people and why it would benefit them. And, you know, just make all of us completely dependent. So take a listen and uh, see what you guys think of this guy. Number two. Why has the Dutch government, a guy called Rutter, the prime minister, completely owned by the World Economic Forum, uh, Klaus Schwab? Why has he just announced that the Netherlands, the second biggest exporter of food in the world, is targeting farmers to destroy them and get them off the land, which is where all these farming protests in the Netherlands have come from. At a time of food shortages and supply chain problems, you are targeting the second biggest exporter of food in the bloody world to destroy its farming base, 
Why are you doing that? If people depend on you for what's left of the food, you control them. Where food is abundant and cheap, you do not control them. Where energy is cheap and abundant, you do not control them. Scarcity equals dependency equals control. And that's why they're targeting the food chain, they're targeting the energy supply, they're targeting everything. Why is that so hard to see for people? I mean, that's that's the same philosophy behind the, the dependency on the welfare state in uh, in our major cities. Dependency. That's what they want. They want us to depend on them. And it's going to be the small elitists at the top deciding how much of a ration they want to give to the rest of us. Next. All right. We're down to our number one right of the week, baby. You ready for this one, Juice? Uh, this one broke my heart when I saw it, man. It, it's this is a young girl who is speaking up. Um, in California against this SB 107 bill that they're trying to pass, which would turn the state of California into a sanctuary state for trans children, children trying to come get transgender affirming care. And we know by affirming, it means, you know, going against everything that is accurate and correct. So it's really just, it's the opposite of what that word means. Um, And she's speaking up because she went through this and now has seen the light of day and and how terrible and horrible it was for her to have to go through that. So she's trying to speak up to make sure it doesn't happen to others. And um, hear what she had to say. Number one, right of the week. Name is Chloe Cole. I'm 18 and my story is not hyperbole. Starting around the age of 12, I began to believe that I was transgender. This belief was not organic. All the media I consumed as a kid showed me how stupid and vulnerable being a girl was. All the sexualized images of women gave me an unrealistic expectation of womanhood. I spent a a lot of time online and quickly saw all the praise coming out as trans got on Instagram and other social media. I was a bit awkward in school and had some trouble making friends. Like many dysphoric children, I also suffer from a variety of mental health conditions, so I easily fell prey to the narrative that if I felt different and did not want to be a highly sexualized girl, I must be a boy. I obsessed over becoming a boy. I believed that all my insecurities and anxiety would magically disappear once I transitioned. The mental health professionals did not try to dissuade me of this delusional belief. I was fast-tracked into medical transition after I was diagnosed with dysphoria. In California, a child can pick their gender identity and a care provider questioning that would be considered conversion therapy. This wasn't a a misdiagnosis. It was mistreatment. My parents were told that the options were transition or suicide. They complied because they were not offered any other treatment solution for my distress. My distraught parents wanted me alive, so they listened to my doctors. I was placed on puberty blockers and testosterone after expressing my gender dysphoria to my therapist, and I was approved for a double mastectomy all by the age of 15. No one explored why I did not want to be a girl. More and more kids are falling for the false promise of happiness if they transition. Gender clinics in the U.S. are turning a blind eye to European countries who are pumping the brakes on this experiment on youth. Who here really believes that, as a 15-year-old, I should have had my, my healthy breast removed or that it should have been an option? When the CDPH got less than 300 reports of people getting hospitalized as a result of vaping, San Francisco banned vape products that same year. So I know that you care about the health of children, yet you are allowing doctors all over the state to remove the healthy breasts of children. 
How many more children's bodies will be destroyed before you actually listen? What is the sweet spot? A hundred? Two hundred? Thousand? SB 107 will open the floodgates for confused children like me to get the gender interventions that many so regret. I'm the canary in the coal mine. This is absolutely ridiculous, people. I'm sorry. That one is really getting to me. Watching that clip, too. This girl's 18 years old. Did you hear that? She said her breasts were moved at 15. When did she say she started? 12? 12 years old? Just like that creep in the wrongs that we gave you? What did he say? That doctor. I've performed surgeries on kids as young as 13. I haven't had a 12-year-old yet, but I would. Absolutely disgusting. Why are we allowing this to happen? 15-year-old girl. Breast removed. This is insane, people. And you heard what she said they did to her parents. The doctors told her parents, either you go along with this or your kid's going to commit suicide. It's emotional blackmail that they're trying to do to these parents. And I don't know what that feels like, but I would hope that I have an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old. If it ever got to that point, I would hope I would be strong enough and be able to push back against doctors and be like, listen, I don't want my kid to commit suicide, but I'm not going to mutilate him either. I'm not going to mutilate her in the hopes that that's going to prevent them from committing suicide. There are other ways, people. How many more times do we need to hear stories like this? How many more things do we need to see like this? Insane. Thank you, Chloe Cole, for being brave enough to stand up there speak out against this because you're going to be a villain unfortunately so keep doing that please because we need more people like you we need more people like chloe cole to stand up and talk about the trauma the horror the mutilation that they went through i'm praying for you and i hope the rest of you out in the right and wrong audience are too All right. So, did you know that the very presence of Ben Shapiro did great harm at a uh, podcast convention last week out there in Dallas, Texas? Yep, Ben Shapiro. What a harmful, intimidating man that guy is, huh? Well, there's this convention that goes on every year, I guess, and it's run by this group called Podcast Movement. And the whole idea behind their convention every year is to bring the podcast community together right? The world of podcasters. It's um, a place for people to network, to do some meet and greet type of stuff, to figure out how to expand your reach in the podcast world. It's just basically like I laid out there for you. I don't know how else to explain it other than that. A, A convention for podcasters. And The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's company, happens to be the sixth largest podcasting company in the world. He happens to have the highest rated, highest watched, highest listened to conservative podcast in the country. So I think the Daily Wire obviously deserves to be at that convention. And that's what they did. They had a booth at the convention. They actually bought space to be there. They helped sponsor the event to the tune of 30 grand that they pitched into it. And they attached their name to it. It's a little bit of a uh, scratch my back, scratch your back situation, right? It's good for the Daily Wire to get in there, get involved, get, um, you know, 
mix and match with the rest of the podcast world. And that's good for the convention, too, getting a company their size with their reach and their audience at their convention. All well and good, right? Wrong, wrong, wrong. So Shapiro made the great mistake of actually showing up to the event. Can you believe that? His company contributed $30,000 to this event. They had a staff manning their booth, working there throughout the, the time that it was there. And he had the audacity to pop in and check on it and, and let his face be seen. Well, him showing up at this event caused some controversy, to say the least. On August 25th, the Twitter handle, at Podcast Movement, tweeted out a series of tweets apologizing for the presence of Ben Shapiro at their convention. Can you believe that? They apologized. I'm going to read right from what they said. All right, here it is. Hi, folks. We owe you an apology before sessions kick off for the day. Yesterday afternoon, Ben Shapiro briefly visited the PM22 Expo area near the Daily Wire booth. Though he was not registered or expected, we take full responsibility for the harm done by his presence. Oh, oh man. The harm done by him just existing and standing there, being there. They followed it up with another tweet. Those of you who called this unacceptable are right. In nine wonderful years growing and celebrating this medium, PM has made mistakes. The pain caused by this one will always stick with us. (laughs) We promise that sponsors will be more carefully considered moving forward. Grovel, grovel, grovel. They followed it up with another one. Just to clarify, no Daily Wire representatives were scheduled to appear on panels, and Shapiro remained in the common space and did not have a badge. Can I help you? Uh, no, I'm good. Thank you, though. Yeah? I see you don't have a visitor's badge. That's why I ask. If you have questions, we're here to talk. Thank you for reading, and we hope you'll continue to join us from here on out. And one more tweet by them to wrap this whole thing up. They said, There's no way around it. We agreed to sell the Daily Wire, a first-time booth based on the company's large presence in podcasting. The weight of that decision is now painfully clear. Shapiro is a co-founder. A drop-in, however unlikely, should have been considered a possibility. Wow. Can you guys believe that? This guy showing up at a podcasting event when he runs a company that literally was founded on podcasting, hosts a show that's one of the highest rated podcasts across any format, and he he had the audacity to show his face in there. And it was funny to hear him and uh, and, and the rest of his hosts uh, that are on his platform talk about the the event and stuff, And, and the way he told it was... He was there for maybe like 20 minutes. He flew into town with his business partner to celebrate um, a friend's retirement party. And it happened to be in the same place as this podcast convention. So they were like, let's go swing by the boot that we have. We threw up, threw up 30 grand. Why don't we go check it out a little bit? They showed up, took a few pictures uh, with some fans and people that were around and left. And according to, to what I'm hearing out there, this all started, surprise, surprise, 
this whole thing sparked because a trans person tweeted out to this podcast movement how devastated, hurt, and, and disgusted they were that a bigot like Ben Shapiro would be allowed in their space. Him being there threatened this person's very existence. Absolutely ridiculous. And that is one of the major problems with the left right now and with the trans-identifying community, the gay-lesbian community, the minority communities anywhere out there. Any group that can consider themselves a marginalized group gets to play this game and they'll get their asses kissed. This person had almost the same amount of followers as I have. I'm still at like 80-something followers, so please help me out there on Twitter, dd at ddruka617. But this person had about 125 followers and, and sends out a tweet like this, and they're going to they're gonna blackball Shapiro, who's got a much larger reach, actually bring something to the table, to this movement, to this podcast movement convention, and they're going to go because somebody was offended at the very fact that he chooses to exist and show up and be in the same same area as that person. Uh, n- not even direct area, just happened to be in the same building as this person. Do you see what's wrong with that? How dangerous that can be going forward? How are we going to coexist? This event had nothing to do with the left or the right. It was just about podcasting. And I hate to break it to them, but conservative podcasting, I think, is one of the reasons why podcasting is a thing conservative political podcasts and murder shows, murder podcasts. That's what does it for them because it's the only way a conservative can have their voice be heard. And now you want to take that away from the guy too? See you later with that. How come every time somebody criticizes George Soros for uh, funding those pro-criminal DAs all across the country, they're immediately called an anti-Semite? Ben Shapiro walks around with a yarmulke on his head. He is a devout, very loud, very proud Jew. Why isn't this company being blasted for being anti-Semites? Are you kidding me? They can get away with it because he's a conservative? If he was on the left and someone tried to do something like this to him, you know that's where they would go with this. Oh, we're trying to silence a Jewish man. Where's the outrage for this? And you know, one thing that Shapiro said when commenting about this in the aftermath of it, and he's so right is where are his counterparts on the left that do what he does, um, members of the media, other members in this podcast community? Why aren't they outraged by this too? And it goes back to what we started at the top of the show with, selfishness. That's why. It's not happening to them, so they don't care. Keep your mouth shut out of self-preservation. He stood up on his show and spoke up for people that disagree with him, even when something, when something wrong is being done to them. He'll speak up and say that it's wrong. Why won't anybody do the same for him? It's absolutely ridiculous. And I hope the Daily Wire does what they do with everything else and create their own podcast convention for next year. And we'll bring the right and wrong show to that thing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's about that time in the program when we get to one of our favorite segments, the always fun, always popular, come on, man, segment of the day. And surprise, surprise, it's about uh, Mr. Unity there, Weekend at Biden's, and he gets to be the um, main character, the lead star in the segment that's named after his phrase. So how did he get here, you wonder? Well, 
I mean, he could probably be here just about every week, but this one was from um, a speech he gave just the other day, town hall setting, where he wanted to go on that theme that we've already hit on from this show a little bit, where the dangerous right is at it again in his mind, right? And he was talking about gun control this time, and he was looking to paint the right-wing fanatics as as these gun-toting MAGA fascists out there. Well, we here on the Right and Wrong program know that he's just not correct when he tries to talk like this, that he's trying to divide, not unify, that he's hoping to cause problems. He's trying to get us to all hate each other. And he's succeeding at it. He's making a big, big, big divide. He's helping create a big divide in this country when he came in promising to unite everybody. So why don't we, uh, <laughs> why don't we just let him speak in his own words for us and, uh, and we'll share our thoughts after that. Juice, you ready? Right now you can't go out and buy an automatic weapon. You can't go out and buy a cannon. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe, if you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. You need something a little more than a gun. No, I'm not joking. Think about this. Think about the rationale we use that's used to provide this. And who are they shooting at? Shooting at these guys behind me. Folks, look. I went to every major school shooting in around the, in the country since I was a chairman of the Judiciary Committee all the way through as vice president and president. Over 48,000 people died from gunshot wounds in 2021 in the United States of America. Over 26,000 by suicide. Okay. Um, I mean... 40, what do you say, 40, 26,000 died from gunshot wounds? Did you lock up the 26,000 people that, that shot them? Or, or did you have your George Soros-funded DAs out there give them a slap on the wrist and tell them to uh, go ahead out and do some more? Or, or was it like, you know, how, was it the same couple people? Or what was the circumstances behind those, Mr. President? Could you tell us that? How many of those came from Chicago, Illinois? How many came from New York, New York? What about Los Angeles? You think there's a problem with the uh, gun control laws in those democratically held deep blue cities? Those are some of the strictest gun laws you could have out there. Yet the crime is out of control. Do you think it maybe has something a little bit more to do with uh, what we're doing with the criminals that are using these guns that you want to go scare everybody about? Well, let me just put it into terms, maybe put it a way that he might better understand, okay? Because I have a very simple solution. We're going to do it two ways. Number one, we're going to lock up people that commit crimes using guns. Number two, we're going to make longer mandatory sentences no it's not a joke it's not a joke not a joke that is a natural fact come on man you know one time back in delaware i was walking down the street with my dad i'm telling you this isn't folks this isn't a joke and i'm not joking about this not a joke here and we walked down that street 
and we saw two men holding hands. They leaned in for a kiss, and my dad said, Joey, look it over there. That's just love. That's just two men in love. But then this guy came out. He came out from nowhere. His name was Corn Pop. And he shot one of those men. He shot him. And you know how he did it? He did it with an illegal gun. He did it because he had a he had a cannon. Come on, man. Come on, man. He had a cannon. And that's why we need to stop these extreme right-wing fascists. Because Corn Pop, he had this red hat on when he did it. And it said, make America great again. Not a joke. I, 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 I'm not kidding. This is not a joke here. I can't believe this guy. He's, he, he drives me nuts every time he, he talks. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to do with him. I mean, listen to this ridiculous story that he also told during that juice. You got this one, right? Yeah. Why don't you play that one for them, too? If I can inter- just interject for a moment, my deceased son, Bo, he was the attorney general of the state of Delaware. And what he used to do is go down in the east side, the, what called the bucket, highest crime rate in the country. There's a place where I used to, I was the only white guy that worked as a lifeguard down in that area, in the east side. And you know where the, you can always tell where the best basketball in the state is and the best basketball in the city is. It's where everybody shows up. Wow. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Down in the bucket over there. Is that where Corn Pop was? Was he down there playing basketball with everybody? You're the only white guy that went down there? You, you, gonna tell us oh oh you're the only white guy who wandered into this bad area of town and they were playing basketball wow i mean could you be any more stereotypical there joe is that racist at all what if donald trump told that story and he, he said it like that oh man they'd be killing him but this guy gets to fumble past it go on and and just move on to telling half the country that they're fascist, nationalistic dangers to America. Well, Mr. Joe Biden, needless to say, for this speech and many, many more, you, my friend, have earned yourself one big, fat, classic. Come on, man. And that's our show for today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Please remember to share the show with some of your friends out there. Give us a like and a subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And uh, until next week, I guess that's all I've got for you other than thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song, created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.